I know what you mean. I'm stepping in. Yeah. You're stepping in. You know, like we're both nice people. You're from the Midwest. I'm from the Bronx. I don't know why I'm nice, but I am. <laughs> like, it's nice to be fucking nice. Welcome back to Dance Tips Daily. And if you're new, welcome to the fam. I'm your host, Danny Albertina. And this is the podcast where I read to you, with the author's permission, of course, short and sweet dance excerpts on topics such as choreography, performance, mental health, physical health, nutrition, education, and more. Bonus episodes release the first of every month featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those who keep our dance community alive. If you're ready to spend a little time getting a little better each day, let's dance in. ultimate pleasure of having Jose Rivera Jr. here for our January 1st 2020 episode starting off the new year right (laughs) and yes Jose is showing their really cool moves choreographer dancer I'll introduce more about them very soon but as always we have a song that I play that reminds me of the artists we have featured and what's perfect about Jose is that they make their own songs. So this is one of my favorites from the recent EP. on that Jose just bowed their head (laughs) I love that song that song is called pop song and it is only on the word hey it's sung only on the word hey so it's a lot of different pitch voicings of a single silly word about being present It's absolutely amazing. The visual EP that goes along with it, um, Jose has this beautiful yellow-like colors and all these different angles. It's really, I I love it. That's by far my favorite. Yellow is my favorite color too. And it's so simple, but simplicity is something that I'm aiming for in 2021. You know, you can go far away with that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your inspiration on that one? <laughs> Yeah, pop song started as uh, exactly what it was. It was called Hey Song, and it was a 15-second vocal score that I pitched to my brilliant, talented, experimental psycho friend, Carl Ronneberg. <laughs> and we sat down in front of a piano for hours on end just singing and playing off of one another. And there's a lot of laughing and a lot of stupidity and um, and a lot of beauty in, in how simple it was that we found to be interesting enough to include as what I consider a vocal interlude on this six piece uh, visual audio experience thing that uh we've called my debut (laughs) i love it that's when the best experiences happen when it's 
natural and a lot of laughs and <laughs> a lot of time being put into it. So with that being said, let me introduce you and all the time and hard work that you've put into becoming the amazing artist that you are. So Jose Rivera Jr. is was born in the Bronx, New York, raised in a working class Puerto Rican, Italian American family. They started singing at the age of two, writing at the age of six, and dancing contemporary and postmodern styles at the age of 18, when accepted into NYU Tisch School of the Arts on a full ride MLK Junior Merit Scholarship. Yes, that twirl. Jose's versatility in creating, directing, and performing has reinforced their status of one of New York most hardworking and emergent young artists. Jose says that they create and fight for things that matter. All bodies of all shapes, colors, and abilities will move, sing, dance, create freely. Some press that Jose has appeared on includes NPR, All Things Considered, The Advocate, to name a few. And so we are so, so fortunate that they are taking the time to come on Dance Up Daily and share their knowledge with us today. Jose, did I do your bio justice? Is there anything that I'm missing? <laughs> it's so funny to have it like read aloud because <laughs> uh, it's surreal that all these things are reality. And it's like exactly as I say, like I just want everybody to feel beautiful because they are. And I want people to move and dance and sing however, makes them feel really good mm -hmm. and because they should feel really good and it feels like such a simple concept but especially in like such a political or rather politicized moment as we're in mm -hmm. um that it feels more important than ever to hear those words so so um thank you for having me on of course and for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure of seeing your shows um, I've been fortunate enough to be casted as a dancer performer in one of Jose's shows and exactly what he just said right now, the cast was so diverse, so amazing. And when I first auditioned, um, I saw on a casting call of uh, LQQ or LQQK the musical and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, musicals, I'm, I'm good, jazz, kickball change, da, 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 da. And I was in for such a pleasant surprise because what ended up being is that I booked my first immersive show and your, your choreography, not only like it felt so good to do, but I felt like I could be playful for the first time. And, you know, moving to New York, I was like so serious, like so diligent, like technique, like on my leg. And so this was the first time where like one of our dress rehearsals was actually in Union Square. So, you know, we had a dance off with like random people there and you're fearless and you take all these different risks. And not only do you create an experience that the dancers feel comfortable being themselves in, but I think you give the audience the space to feel like whoever they want to be that night or whatever they want to celebrate. And that's amazing. So with that being said, can you share a bit about like one of the first shows that you made in this immersive way and maybe some influences that went into it? Sure. Um, I started making live theater pieces uh, around uh, eight years ago, I was 20. Um, and 
I decided to make these like really bombastic, loud, lively experiences because I was sick of watching theater that was having a great experience inside of itself. Mm-hmm. And we were like over here, like sitting like very properly. And like, we were cued when to clap. We were cued when to laugh. Um, there was an obvious joke thrown our way so that we had permission to, um, to do and feel what was expected of us in that moment. And so I started to want to flip expectations and create moments of surprise, moments of permission for people to do whatever they wanted in that moment. Um, Whether that was laugh or yell at me or throw a beer at me or like, get up and dance with us in that choreography. Mm-hmm. That particular like variant of look that you were talking about that you danced in was like a very early prototype of like my um, metamorphosis into creating music that was built for music that danced vocally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wanted to create like that same like circular immersive moment when people are listening to music. And that's that's really how it all started. I just wanted people to like do what they wanted because you're choosing to be there. And so am I. Like I'm I'm also a human that's like talking to you or singing at you. And maybe I'm playing a character or maybe I'm just talking to you as me, but like, regardless of that moment, um, we're still there together in the experience. This isn't like a teacher dictating what you should experience on a chalkboard moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's really what I wanted to build. Mm-hmm. Um, I know within storytelling too, that a lot of times they say your readers don't want to be spoon fed or your listeners don't want to be spoon fed. And I feel like that's, you give the space for them to have their own interpretations without, you know, like what you were saying, like slapstick, like this is where we clap. This is where we laugh. (laughs) You know, um, there's just so much room for freedom there, but still there's structure. So I think it's the perfect balance. Now, New York is really well known for being experimental and immersive and dynamic and different arts. Is there maybe a show that inspired you or is there an artist that you've seen who kind of pushed that envelope as well that inspired you to start creating your music and shows in this way? Yeah, I'm like such um, an old school musical theater nerd. Mm-hmm. The show that I always come back to and how like off color and strange it was and still is when you watch it is the very first version, the 1970s version of Pippin by Stephen Schwartz. Uh-huh. It's so, it's a clown show. It is a show about so many different themes. The first act, as I feel about most shows, are stronger than the second act. Mm-hmm. Although there's nothing like that moment of um, finale. 
in that piece. I, I, I love that moment. It, it grips me every time. I can listen to it and like cry on the spot. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you method acting for that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a single show, but I am so inspired by like every artist that I see. When I go and sit down or I'm watching a TV show or a film or um, I'm like walking down the street and there's a street performer, there's inspiration to draw from every single form that I find interest in. And that's also how I develop like immersive experiences because I, I like to play with different mediums. I like to play with film, fashion, video art, dance, music, whether it's original made or if it is completely um, old school or new school, and then kind of create this collage of work to give the viewer or audience member or participant an invitation to an experience. Amazing. So it seems like your love of musical theater was kind of like the budding seed that then led into all these different venues of interest. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? Yeah, I mean, I've been singing since I was two. So it's really like Madonna, Azevita, Celine Dion, singing My Heart Will Go On. Mm -hmm. People used to say that I'm like Lady Gaga, right? Because like Gaga is like our generation's every performance artist ever because she used every single performance artist ever as inspiration mm -hmm. but in reality i'm britney spears i'm an experience and i'm a slut so <laughs> i like to have my fun and i like you to have your fun and it could be just that surface level mm -hmm. but for me when i'm building there's narrative in there too and that's where i diverge from britney Got it. I love those analogies. <laughs> and Not that Brittany is a slut. Brittany is the sexiest, most powerful, beautiful pop star ever. I love Brit. I love a good Brit moment. I know. That's it's what I grew up on. Absolutely. I'm still watching her her Instagram videos of all these dance moves she's doing. <laughs> 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> so speaking of icons, essentially, like we had, you know, Britney Spears, like sort of these like heteronormative, really like sexy stories being told to us. We didn't really, at least to my knowledge, have like a non-binary queer performer who had a major platform um, or created one for themselves. And um, I'm, I'm curious if like, I'm so proud of you for being who you are and putting what you do out there because I know the next generation of artists are, there's plenty of people who are like, oh, like I'm like this and this is what I, I can relate to and I feel more comfortable now making my art not in a, an exact way, but it's, it's you know, like you draw some inspiration from Britney Spears and now someone can draw some inspiration from Jose Rivera Jr. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's like, honestly, the, 
I, I'm less worried about legacy than I am about carving space. Because I do think that really was of interest to me. I really love creating community and creating spaces that are like for people. Mm -hmm. I also think that like existing as a non-binary queer artist and saying that bluntly is just inspiration for another young to go deeper into this language that I'm only just discovering for myself now. Mm -hmm. And I'm 28. Mm -hmm. I was 27 when I came as non-binary. Like that's, uh, it's still dynamic for me every day. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I, again, I think it's really important to be visible. I think it's important to live and fully celebrate um, your own experience, whether you are non-binary or you identify or queer or trans or bisexual or lesbian. Mm -hmm. um, or two-spirit or intersex, it is um, exciting to me to be who I am, to be carving space, continue to explore my story um, so that I can, um, I can maybe give more space for future ones. Definitely. We definitely want the next generation being better than what we were, or more authentic, or um, more risk-taking, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I have my puppy here, and she always wants to bring her most loud toys into the room while I'm, like, having a conversation. No, I think that's perfect. So this is a great segue into what is parent life like now that you have Ivy? <laughs> uh, so for those of you that don't know, Ivy is my puppy, 13 months old, and she is a German Shepherd yellow lab fireball. She's a princess. She's spoiled. And she's such a good girl, and she knows it. So she's at me right now so that I can give her back these um, these hard toys that she's going to throw at me. <laughs> if not, she'll bite my ankle. And it has been the ultimate gift and ultimate learning experience to raise, um, raise a beautiful being talk to me in English. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of communication mm -hmm. and um and yeah she's so she's so fun she's incredibly social i say i'm a social butterfly she's like a social animal she can like meet any be the happiest dog ever and yeah she i'm just very blessed to have gotten her one month to the day um of the COVID-19 shutdown because it gave us time to really get to know each other before uh she was finally able to step out on the street oh we don't deserve dogs they're just seriously <laughs> they're just the I love hearing you talk about her too. Like you just sound like there's so much love and like responsibility there I know they certainly change a person once you become their human that they rely on you know yeah 
And that was like a big deal because, I mean, I don't even know that I was this responsible for myself. And I'm type one diabetic. I got to take care of my shit. But like, I, yeah, I have to really care for her. My schedule um, is now balanced to really care for both of us. But in the beginning, you know, she's a puppy. She's a baby. She needs me there. Yeah. She needs love. She needs attention. She needs to run. Right. Ivy's a runner. She needs to like dart. <laughs> um, that is a perfect segue. I did want to talk about diabetes. This is a recent thing for you within the last year, correct? <laughs> Not now. Sorry. She's still trying to get the heart. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Not for five seconds. um yeah yeah I got diagnosed three years ago on Christmas Eve it is and for it was a really big lifestyle shift I feel like now it's just part of my everyday I'm now on an insulin pump that is a game changer before I was doing like 10 injections for any diabetics listening but now I'm on a pump and it's like Wow, I barely think about this. This is the best invention ever. Of all chronic illnesses to have in 2020, this is the one to have. Well, it's good that you have that. And in regards to like taking care of yourself, it's already a task to do within New York just to do laundry, just to like feed yourself and have the time in between things. How has this changed you as an artist? Like, has it, like, are you still feeling like full or do you have to turn off at certain times to like make sure that you're healthy and good to go? I feel like when I first got diagnosed, I turned off for like a solid And then I came back to like maybe nine years into that. Nine nine months into that. I was like, wait, nine years. Adding up. <laughs> I mean, don't eat the tree. Don't eat the tree. Come here. So um yeah, I really had moments where I was like, I cannot do anything right now, mm-hmm. or I can only like give this much energy. Right. And now I'm like, oh my god, no, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. I went swimming before this oh wow and i did a bar class before i swam and before that i worked for eight hours and before that i woke up at 5 a.m and walked my dog for an hour and a half so like yeah i i feel like more balanced actually more aligned Uh i was like having trouble sleeping actually today this is so weird that we're talking about this i was thinking about like how my heart used to race uh-huh. and before I could never understand why my like heart would just start like pulsing super fast, but it's because I had undiagnosed type one diabetes and I would drink, um, I would have like a drink with a ton of sugar in it, drink the whole thing with espresso in it nonetheless. So like the caffeine on top of the sugar. Mm-hmm. And then I would just feel my blood sugar rise but I didn't have language or an understanding of my physicality around that at the time. So like, yeah, just even today, the difference in having that same beverage, having that same moment of walking down the street and feeling my energy just kind of stay stable. Mm -hmm. 
um, was, yeah, it just shows that it's all a learning experience. Every day changes my perspective on it. Totally. And your day that you just talked about that you had today is like huge. It's like a superhuman, like not your average person even does that who doesn't have diabetes. So claps on the back for you. Um, such a New Yorker, definitely with that schedule. And you teach bar method classes, correct? So you do need to be high energy. Um, you know, when you're the teacher, you're the leader. There can't be an off day because everyone's relying on you to be that person to pull it out of them, correct? Totally. I love the bar method. I'm such a bar method addict. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the nice thing about that too is that like I feed off of everybody's energy. Like when people are working hard, I'm ready to work hard because I see like focus and intent in everybody's eyes and I'm like, let's go, motherfucker, let's go. Now, when did you start getting into the bar method? I think I started getting into the when I well my best friend Rebecca who you know you know Rebecca Hidalgo Love her. started teaching the bar method and I was in her very first community class Aww. and I was like very like I danced a lot but I was like not that flexible uh -huh. and also not that strong I honestly don't know how I danced at all <laughs> to be honest I think I just like had like sweat equity. I was like ready to work. <laughs> so, like there's video somewhere of me in this very first community class, like awful, awful, awful. And then I like took like an eight month hiatus, obviously not by choice, just because it was so hard. I was like, I'm never doing that again. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did it again and I was like, actually this is really fun because it's on the beat. And I love anything that's four on the floor. I love anything that's keeping my heart rate high. And it's engaging. It's both intellectually engaging and physically engaging. So yeah, I fell in love with it. And I've been teaching since, uh, I was teaching for six months before I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Wow. No. So going on four years this summer. Congrats. Now, when you say intellectually, like not only physically, but intellectually, it's on the beat. This sounds a lot like dance class. And when would you consider, would you agree or no? Before I ask another question. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree that it's on the beat. Okay. And whenever, when did you take your first dance class? Was it whenever you were at Tish or were you introduced to it earlier on? Yeah, I took my first dance class while I was at Tisch. And it was like a movement class for actors. And it was used as a means. It was kind of like, have you ever done, maybe this is like too personal a question, but have you ever done that like version of therapy? And I mean like mental health therapy that is like dance therapy and you like dance through some trauma? I have not done that yet. I've like, in front of people i've like done it for myself at yeah home. for sure <laughs> but um yeah that would be is so vulnerable for me i yeah. i can do if you've done that <laughs> it was a class of 12 of us with two teachers 
each guiding us and yelling at us while we moved in this way. And this technique is also, I mean, it's super cathartic because you're going there with whatever emotion comes up, but it's also hyper imaginative, which I think is like, it was really useful tool for me to like have that deep connection to emotionality and to like a visual world uh, that is like controllable and um, yeah, it's it stays in stasis so that you can like create a physical world around it. That was my first dance class. Wow. And it was not on the beat. It was just like, let's play, um, oh my gosh. Let's play some indie singer and the music is gonna be really soft and gentle. And then we're gonna play something with like really heavy bass and drums and it's gonna be bombastic. And we're gonna turn the fucking volume all the way up and you're gonna move and you're gonna cry and like, but don't touch each other and only get in contact when we have. And like one speaker is screaming at you. The other one is like, go, go. And like everybody is either wailing or rolling on the floor. And like, yeah. And then you come together at the end and talk about it. Oh my God. That is like, my heart started racing. That sounds like, this is like, <laughs> oh, that would just be so hard for me. I feel like, cause I'm like strong ballet background training. So not only would like the demons in my head be like, you look like shit, but then yeah. it's like, that it's like someone's actually yelling at you. And then you're budged from the days coming up to like, I, I don't know. That one wouldn't be a healthy one for me. I don't think. Yeah. And then some people are, and then like, once you advance to the class, you're like, and what are you doing? What's your action? What's going on here? Because it's like supposed to be acting based. Right. So it's like, whoa, fucking heady and body. And that's where Bar Method was like, let's put this into a structure that also serves uh, health around your musculature. Perfect. The best <laughs> of all the worlds. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how I found uh, Bar Method. I, I do find some strange parallels between Williamson technique, which is what that's called, um, oh. and the bar method, because they're both very structured. Yeah, they're very very structured, but there's inside of that structure there's a lot of play, but it's not like the uh, structure of ballet, not even contemporary ballet, um, because that is pure form. Uh -huh. That you're not even thinking about musculature always. You're often just thinking about how to execute a shape. Right, get in on your leg, hold it for the gods. Jete, jete, jete. Exactly. And Russians. Russians, and if you don't have 10 of them in a row, you're cut. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, so is there um, a, a dance teacher, even if it's in the, the acting-based technique that you talked about too, that um, always sticks out in your mind or that you are grateful for? I'm not gonna say, because it's problematic. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like problematic in like a, no, it's problematic. I'll say who it is. All right, I'll say it. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it, like problematic is such a loaded word and there's so many things that are problematic right now that it's like, 
whoa, is it is it this person who did that? Right. Um, no, it's Lorianne Gibson. I love Lorianne. She's a fucking tyrant. She's so evil to some fucking dancers, man. Mm-hmm. But the beauty and the chaos that comes from that woman's mind mm-hmm. onto the bodies of so many dancers, supporting so many pop artists, so many beautiful, beautiful dances. And her energy is just, again, chaos. So yeah, that's that's my problematic, uh, my problematic superstar. Oh, she actually just has a book that she um, has on pre-order right now too. So it's funny. I've been um, I've been doing some research on her recently too. So that's so funny that you bring it up today. The law of attraction. Um, Is it like all like a five six boom cat boom cat cat boom cat? I th- something like that. Yeah, like one hundred and fifty pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how many pages, but I know it's like there's something punny and cute about it. Like find your destiny in steps one through eight, or like you know how oh, spiritual yeah. she is, and yeah, like spirit warriors, right? That's yeah. her like. Yeah. When did you train with her? Did was that with Tish as well? <laughs> no, I never trained with her. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I've been in the room uh-huh. when she was like doingography and stuff, but no, I was never of that caliber by any means. Like I'm so not technical at all. Like it's just not my background. I can I can clean technically, mm-hmm. but I can't build technically and I can't really perform it either. Um, so I think that's why I, I definitely prefer like ography over dance performance, unless it's like supporting my music. Yeah. When you say I found recently. When you say you don't perform technically, Jose, you've been in like freaking stilettos. That's technique to be able to dance in those for your visual EP. So get out of here with that noise. That is technique. You. <laughs> um, always, yeah. always work to be done. <laughs> I mean, we all do. Like our work's never done as an artist even like after we're gone, I feel like we could still get canceled like, and still rile up the crowd. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you've made it if you've been canceled in someone's mind. Someone. <laughs> oh we've just been canceled for that. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, a hint of jokes, you know, gotta Absolutely. keep it real. Um, I, I could totally see why you dig Lorianne too. Like you have this really nice balance of commercial and um, like concert, like theater work too. And she comes from that background. So she's so theatrical. She's so, she loves the icons. She loves the iconic dances, mm-hmm. but she loves to move sometimes around them, sometimes inside of them. And I think uh, that's really exciting to me. I also just think like, yeah, her energy is, uh, is it's athletic. I like to sweat. Yeah. I like challenge. I like to like almost not land it so that I have to just go fully into the next uh-huh. moment. Yeah. Yeah, she's a risk taker too, just like you. <laughs> we talked a lot about your fearlessness earlier. Um, and aside from being so talented, 
on the stage behind the scenes you're really really good at marketing and understanding business i like a funny story i remember for one of the shows we did i I saw the postcards for the show on the bar and i brought them back to you like the midwest girl in me is like frugal like oh my gosh we need these to promote and you're like yeah no danny i set those on the bar and i was like like, they think i'm an idiot So where did you get your business or marketing sense? Was this like a part of your education or is it just something that you kind of picked up along the way? You know, fuck if I know. I don't think I had a marketing sense at all. I think I'm just social. I think I'm just like very, very social. I think like I grew up a sociopath. So like being able to like talk to people and like share what I'm doing with them is always exciting. Mm -hmm. And then I think, I don't know, like for my thesis at Tisch in undergrad, I had to like have a poster made for my piece. Mm -hmm. And I was like, poster is so dope. I should make little postcards and share them around and like post it so like people come. And it worked, like it sold out. We like had, I'm not gonna, I'll say it. We had like, triple capacity than was allowed one night for my show (laughs) yeah and it was like really not like it was not a thing that was okay obviously in school because there is like very strict rules about how many people could sit inside of a little black box theater Mm -hmm. and air could comfortably circulate like not in 2020 but in 2014 yes Um, so from there, I kind of just grew it, and I have worked in social media and like built social platforms, different accounts for different companies, both artistic and non-artistic, um, because it really is about enjoying conversation about whatever it is that I'm working with, and I don't take on projects that I'm not interested in sharing whatever it is they're doing and i think that's why i've also worked in so many different like facets Uh of many different industries because of that like just joy of like oh no i like that thing i'm gonna talk about it perfect and you have experienced suburb life prior to moving to new york city So would you consider whenever you were living in the suburbs that you were just as outgoing um, and talkative or was this something that came about once you came to New York? Yeah, I've always been a loud mouth. (laughs) I've always been opinionated. I've always been insular in some ways too. Like, I think like I'm very like here, very wide reaching in my uh, my friends but my my really tight-knit close friends are very insular and very sacred to me mm-hmm. um and i think that has not changed moving into a big city like new york i grew up in the bronx but i i went to middle and high school in like uh like a small town an hour and a half out of new york city proper Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I think that's something that I love about New York. 
is that it does try to change you, but in the end, it just makes you more yourself. Definitely. It'll test you, put you through challenges to show you like a mirror in front of yourself. For sure. Um, so before you came back to the city, were you, I know you grew up in the Bronx, so you already had experienced city life, but was there a little bit of fear to come back to Manhattan or were you like, no, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want. I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I moved to Manhattan. And for like the first four months of going to undergrad, I was deeply depressed. I talked to my mom like every day about how disinterested I was in pursuing a career in the arts because it just seemed really difficult. But I think that's like true of a lot of people's experiences leaving home for the first time. It's very daunting. It's all new people unless you go uh, locally to where you grew up. And even then it's difficult. Um, so New York definitely grew on me. The, the city definitely grew on me. And I feel like I'm learning something from it like every five seconds. Yeah, the, the learning never stops there for sure. It's like, yeah. Uh, lessons on speed. Um, speaking of <laughs> speediness, what's one of the craziest side hustles or gigs that you've done within the city to stay afloat? Oh my God, what haven't I done? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I say with my raspy laugh. Um, <laughs> I. Hmm, the craziest. Or a funny story where you found yourself working and you're just like, this is really my gig for the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. I am trying to go through the back catalog of how many different gigs I've had. I think the craziest to me was when I was straight out of college and I was doing high-end real estate for a really wonderful group of people. And I remember like, cause I, I'm, I come from nothing. I'm like totally self-made. And the cool thing about that is knowing a lot of other people who are also self-made and a lot of the people on this team that I was working for were that same way. And they sent me up I, I think it was maybe the first time I had ever been able to like leave the office and go see one of the listings that they were going to list or just check out. So I went on a field trip to this building that is in downtown Brooklyn. And I went all the way to the top floor, penthouse. It's a 58 story building. And it was the tallest in all of Brooklyn at the time. And I just remember being on that balcony and just like not knowing, I, I had never felt anything as exhilarating as just like standing so high and seeing this vast expanse outside of being on a plane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was cool. to take your breath away for sure. For sure. Uh, I didn't know you did that. That's awesome. The more you know. <laughs> All sorts of gigs. A little hand on chin. 
so for this gosh darn pandemic, as an artist, as a creator, how have you adjusted? Like, are you still are you still making work just more for a virtual place? Are you meeting and distancing with a pod, or are you just kind of taking a moment to expand your artistry in new ways you haven't before? Which you've already done so many outlets. Like, I feel like I can't imagine how much more you could bring on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to grow the nuances that I've created with this most recent project by continuing in a digital vein. This last project, look, was six music videos, each with their own choreography, each with their own visual concept, filmed by a team. First time that I wasn't fully in charge of the directing and production team ever. I'm usually like hands in every single pot and it's like way too many hats. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely, uh, right now I'm developing a new solo work that is for camera. Mm -hmm. still features original music. I'm working again with a new production team uh, who creates a lot of fashion film and a lot of still fashion imagery for different brands. And um, yeah, that's really what's next and where my brain has been. And I'm also learning guitar. I see that, that's amazing. Yeah, so I can finally accompany my ass. You know, I've been singing alone for so long. I wrote a song like Hey Song because I didn't have an instrument to play. Like, hey, hey. Like, I would love to play it on piano. I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> you played your vocal cords <laughs> in beautiful ways. Oh. Okay, so, um, you just said something that made me want to ask you. Oh yeah, um, your projects, would you say most of them you're self-made or a lot of your gigs, do you get them through the people that you know or do you audition? Mm, it's mostly through making my own stuff and through, um, through conversations in collaboration with other artists um that goes for like big shows like broadway things that goes for big film things too um but i have been feeling more of a pull to like just cold turkey audition i think there's something so amazing about the learning process from an audition and the pools of people that you meet mm -hmm. through doing that. Yeah, but at current and in the last three years, I haven't, yeah, I haven't auditioned at all. It's nice that you have your own material though. Some like sometimes when you just get to a point where your own stuff gets on a certain platform, you don't even have to go through leaps and bounds to get into that audition room. And right. I think what you're doing now is a really smart investment for the future and being a good communicator is huge. Um, I know a, a lot of people, especially in isolation, are having a hard time even just having simpler conversations. So I think that skill is something that's going to take you a long way <laughs> in our industry for sure. <laughs> um, okay. I don't want to hold up too much of your time. Just two more questions. Can you hang? <laughs> Okay, 
If you had a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? If I had a million dollars, do you remember that commercial? <laughs> that radio commercial? I feel like on FM radio. <laughs> yes. Um, oh my God, if I had a million dollars right now. Okay, well, I would probably invest in property in New York. Wise. Yeah. I'd like use that million dollars to, I wouldn't spend the million dollars. I would save like 80% of it, use the 20% to, that I need to get a loan mm -hmm. to purchase a mortgage in order to buy a property that was more expensive than a million dollars, live there for five years, and then rent it. All the logistics, you are wise. <laughs> you are wise, Jose. <laughs> okay, now, within one sentence, what would you say to your haters? <laughs> yeah, bitch, I'm just that fucking nice. Parentheses in earnest. Thanks for listening today and tune in tomorrow for more short and sweet tips. Happy dancing.